I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 145. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, this afternoon, I'm sitting at my dining room table with a huge stack of books surrounding me. Every once in a while, we like to do a What's on Your Nightstand podcast where I just talk about all the books that I'm reading because I read, you know, four or five books at a time most of the time, and they're all different. And sometimes they have a theme, sometimes they don't. Sometimes one book leads to another just by the nature of reading things that connect. So I took um, from the big stack five books that I wanted to share with you with a consistent theme. And the theme is missionary stories that have impacted my life in the last six months because I'm always looking for great biographies. And if you've been to my seminars, you know that I say on my tombstone, it's going to say, read Christian biographies because reading a Christian biography will shape your life and your children's destinies because it creates vision. It creates heroes and heroines for your children to grow up to be like and and to want to emulate and follow. I don't know of anything more powerful to read than Christian biographies. So I'm going to share five of some of the biographies I've been reading recently. I'm going to start with two about women, uh, the story of two women's lives. The first one is an old book that one of the elders at our church just brought to me as a gift one morning, and it's called Appointment in Jerusalem. And it's the story of a school teacher who uh, lived in Denmark, came from a wealthy, very established lifestyle, and um, came into a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. And she worked for the state church there in Denmark as a school teacher. And so uh, her experience with the Holy Spirit completely was out of the box, really, for the the state church there in Denmark. And as she began to share her experiences with the Lord, she was ostracized. And uh, it's a very fascinating story of how she gave up her security, her family relationships were brought into question. But she never stepped back. Once she met the reality of God's power, she never backed off. And through a series of events, she went to Jerusalem and started rescuing children that were like abandoned and orphaned. And she rented a house and she had no money. She had given up all of her security. She'd given away her emergency fund, her savings, everything, given away all of her beautiful possessions. She had a personal maid that she, when she came into the things of the spirit, she began to share it with her maid, who was an older woman. And that maid and she really kind of co-discipled each other and walked with the Lord together. And when she went to Israel, um, it was a very dangerous place to be. And, and her story is fascinating. But while she was living in Israel, she met a fellow missionary named Derek Prince. And Derek Prince became a very influential 
Christian spokesperson, leader, theologian, and uh, he was British, and she and he met and fell in love. And it's an amazing story. The An appointment in Jerusalem by Lydia Prince as told to her husband, Derek Prince. And their story of really her desperation there in Israel and how the Lord met her and used her and gave her a platform for ministry. And then the beautiful love story of she and her husband, Derek. The other book that I've been reading that has just turned my life around, and I want to read it over and over again. It's one of those books you want to read certainly once a year. It's from Scotland, and it's in the Trailblazer series, so it's fairly simple reading. Um, Not that you're going to read it to your three-year-olds, but you're definitely going to enjoy it with your junior high and high school age kids. And it's called Elaine Townsend, At Home Around the World. And it's a story of Cam Townsend's wife. Cam, or better known as Uncle Cam, was the founder of the Wycliffe Bible Translating Ministry that has literally swept the world, translating the scripture into mother tongues for people that have no scripture in their own language. And many times what Wycliffe workers have to do, of course, is first they create an alphabet, they create a written language, then they translate the Bible, usually the book of John or the book of Mark, into now that language in writing, and then they have to teach the whole community how to read a language that they've never read before because they're a non-reading people group. It's quite a ministry and and the impact they've had in Latin America, in Mexico, in Russia, and how they've gone to unreached people groups, and there are fewer and fewer of those because of their work, and and create a language in a written form for the, that the people already speak, of course, but have never read, and then create a scripture for them. And, and the president of Mexico had their wedding at his house because he was so grateful for their impact, uh, their impact in Russia, all the ambassadors and all the people they've befriended. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I want to tell you about Elaine Townsend. So Uncle Cam's wife died on the mission field And all the missionaries secretly were plotting how this young single woman, very, very lovely woman, was the perfect match for Uncle Cam. But Uncle Cam was very much older than she was. And so that was, you know, a bit in question. But they began to fall in love. It's a beautiful love story. And um, they were concerned about the age difference, but it it never was a problem. Uncle Cam had more energy than 28 people, and so did Elaine, and so each of them keeping up with the other. And they lived all over the world in some really grueling situations. They just gave and gave and served and served. But I love the story of Elaine Townsman's gift of hospitality. And how wherever they lived, and I mean some of the places, were a challenge. But she would invite 
17, 20 people over for dinner when she barely had food. She would ask them to spend the night when she barely had beds or sheets or anything, but she would create these beautiful outreach hospitality experiences for people. And wherever she went, they would be setting the table with beautiful things. And she would always wear her beautiful jewelry and, and, you know, do her hair nicely and a little bit of makeup. And she was just the exception to so many people's perception of what in those days uh, she was ministering during World War II is really kind of the, the focus of their ministry. And then, of course, it continued on and on until each of their deaths. But her life was a life of joyful sacrifice and servanthood. And, you know, we hear the term hospitality very often in our churches, in our small groups, wherever we talk about the gift of hospitality, which is a supernatural gift that people talk about. And we often just think it means, you know, doing kind of the Martha Stewart gig with the beautiful tablescape and the lovely food and, um, you know, the scented candles and the classical music playing in the background. But what the gift of hospitality biblically means is the gift of welcoming people, making people feel at home and wanted and included and safe. And that is a gift that every Christian in the world needs to consciously be practicing, whether they live in a mud hut or a cardboard box or a tin building or a beautiful mansion on a hill. It's irrelevant. What matters is our heart of welcome for the people that the Lord brings to us. And she modeled this more than anyone I've ever read about and how she was afraid of being a missionary because she thought she would be single and ugly. And I forget, there were three things she was afraid of, but those were two of them. And it makes me laugh because she kept her femininity. She brought beauty and charm into every environment that she participated in and how she remembered people's names. She remembered their children's first and middle names and even their children's birthdays. She just was a lover of her community wherever the Lord placed her and it was all over the world and she never complained and she just kept that beautiful smile on her face as she represented Christ to these folks. Do you know what I believe is the most impactful thing you can do to help you on your homeschooling journey? It's attending an in-person seminar. These exciting days have the power to transform your homeschooling experience. I invite you to come to my upcoming live seminar in Loma Linda, California on Sunday afternoon, February 5th, to be refreshed and encouraged. I'm especially excited to tell you that my son, JJ, will be joining me. JJ was homeschooled himself, is a pastor with a doctorate degree, and now he and his wife are using the very same methods with their four children. You don't want to miss the chance to hear his perspective and insight. After the seminar in Dallas last fall, one parent wrote to us and said, After going to Carol's seminars for over 12 years, there hasn't been a time when I haven't gleaned something new from her teaching.
Having JJ join her only strengthened her message. It was life-giving in so many ways. JJ and I will each teach two sessions of my basic seminar, a literature-based approach to education. Then we'll end the day with a panel discussion where you can hear from other seasoned homeschool parents. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com slash upcoming seminars to learn more and register today. Early bird registration ends January 25th. I really hope to see you there. Now back to the show. Now I want to share about three very powerful missionary books about men. The first one I want to talk about is a book called Madness. It's by an Indian uh, gentleman from uh, the, the country of India, the nation of India. And it is by a man named Jossi Chaco. C-H-A-C-K-O, Jossie Chaco. And he's a young man uh, that had a vision, a very, very clear vision from living in a dirt road on a nameless street. His father was mentally insane. He was tortured by his teachers and his friends. But through really the vision that God placed in his heart. He has built an international ministry with an extraordinary goal. And the goal is that his ministry will plant 100,000 churches in the world's most unreached regions to bring about true spiritual and social transformation. And so it's a tale that will make you stay up nights. I read it in like a day. Um, the ministry that he founded is called Empart, E-M-P-A-R-T, Empart In- Incorporated. And you just got to read it. But um, his ministry is presently planting approximately 11 churches a day. And they have more than um, 4,500 churches in seven countries. And Jossie challenges people all over the world. He speaks at leadership conferences in America. He rubs shoulders with really influential people. And he never backs down from his vision and his gospel message. And he will inspire you to get off your couch and to get busy about the things of God. It would be a great book to read with your teenagers as well. And then one of the most influential missionary books of all time, I somehow never read, and it's called Brushko, B-R-U-C-K-O, sorry, B-R-U-C-H-K-O. And they've sold... um, a jillion copies of this book. And it's the story of a young man who had a power encounter with the Holy Spirit and his parents were just kind of church going, you know, Sunday Christians. And when he met the Lord in the way that he did, he just would not back down. And so he felt called to go to this unreached people group in Colombia named the Motolone Indians. And they were headhunters and extremely violent people group. They were utterly unreached. They had never seen a white man 
certainly never heard the name of Christ. But Bruce just wouldn't give up. He left his family. He went to Columbia and he began to move from tribe to tribe, one violent tribe to a more violent to a still more violent, um, to the point where he went to tribes that no other tribes would even take him to because the tribes were so dangerous. But Bruce never backed down. He never gave up. He wasn't sent by a missions organization. He had no funding. He had no money. He had nothing but a heart to reach people who had never heard the name of Christ. And I want to read a little breakthrough uh, story that's part of Bruce's story. He finally moved in with the most violent of all the tribes and they began to accept him. He just earned their trust. Oh my goodness, the things he suffered in order to do that, but he never gave up. So this is after he had become a brother to one of the young men, and he named him Bobby, shortening his um, hard-to-pronounce name. And Bobby and he became brothers, and they performed a ceremony saying that they were literally brothers, covenant brothers. But Bruce began, his name was Bruce, but they couldn't pronounce his name, Bruce Olson, so they called him in the tribe, Brushko. And one evening, um, after you know Bruce had been sharing in a very creative way the gospel, Bobby began to ask him questions. They're sitting around the fire, and the light was flickering, and his face was very serious. And he said, Bruce, how can I walk on Jesus's trail? No Motoloni has ever done it. It's a new thing. There's no other Motoloni to tell how to do it. I remember the problems I'd had as a boy, how it sometimes appeared impossible to keep on believing in Jesus when my family and friends were so opposed to my commitment. That was what Bobby was going through. Bobby, I said, do you remember my first festival of the arrows? The first time I had seen all the Motolonis gathered to sing their song, the festival was the most important ceremony in the Motoloni culture. He nodded. His eyes were staring intently at me. Do you remember that I was afraid to climb in the high hammocks to sing for fear that the rope would break? And I told you that I would sing only if I could have one foot in the hammock and one foot on the ground. Yes, Brushko. And what did you say to me? He laughed. I told you, you had to have both feet in the hammock. You have to be suspended, I said. Yes, I said. You have to be suspended. That's how it is when you follow Jesus, Bobby. No man can tell you how to walk his trail. Only Jesus can. But to find out, you have to tie your hammock strings into him and be suspended in God. Bobby said nothing. The fire danced in his eyes. Then he stood up and walked off into the darkness. The next day he came to me. Brushko, he said, I want to tie my hammock strings into Jesus Christ. How can I? I can't see him or touch him. You've talked to spirits, haven't you? Oh, he said, I see now. The next day, he had a big grin on his face. Brushko, I've tied my hammock strings into Jesus, and now I speak a new language. I didn't understand what he meant. 
Haven't you learned some of the Spanish I speak? He laughed a clean, sweet laugh. No, Brushko, I speak a new language. Then I understood. To a Motoloni, language is life. If Bobby had a new life, he had a new way of speaking. His speech would be Christ-oriented. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, Bobby shouted. He has walked our trails. I have met him. From that day, our friendship was enhanced by our love for Jesus. We talked constantly about him, and Bobby asked me many questions. But he never asked the color of Jesus' hair or whether he had blue eyes. To Bobby, the answers were obvious. Jesus had dark skin, and his eyes were black. He wore a G-string and hunted with bows and arrows. Jesus was a motilone. I love this book, and I can't recommend it with enough enthusiasm for you and your family. And I'm going to close with a book that I'm not done with, but I know the overriding premise, so I want to share it with you. It's one of the classic missionary books of all time, and it's called Peace Child, and it's written by Don Richardson. Don Richardson and his wife went to, again, uh, unreached people group, headhunters uh, in Irian Jaya, and the name of the headhunting group was the Sawi people. And um, he talks about, after living he and his wife with them and befriending them and loving them, that he discovered that the highest honor you could have as a hunter was to woo and charm your enemy into a false sense of security. And then once you had him, quote, eating out of your hand, you murdered him. And it was the highest prestige as a hunter to woo someone into your net and make them think that they were your friend and then to execute them and eat them. And so as Don and Carol were living with these people and when they would tell them the story of Christ's death, when they would talk about Judas, all the tribes people would cheer for Judas because he was their idea of a hero. And Don and Carol called out to God and said, how can we possibly communicate the gospel to people who see things in this light? And the Lord revealed a practice that this tribe used in their negotiations with other tribes, with their enemy tribes, when they wanted to make peace with a tribe, they would send one of their children to be raised with the enemy tribe. And in doing so, they called that child the peace child because now that tribe had a member of their tribe as one of their children. And so it created a bond and a loyalty and a um, kind of a peace covenant with enemies by sharing a child. And in the same way, Christ was the ultimate peace child. We were God's enemies, and he sent his only son 
to live with us. And in doing so, he built a bridge and we are no longer God's enemies. It is a powerful, powerful book. And again, one of those books that will shape your children and give them a vision for what it is to really lay down our lives for Christ, to believe that people are not going to heaven unless they know of Christ and he's left it up to us to share that good news that it's a free gift to come into the kingdom of God, but no one will know unless they hear and no one will tell them unless someone goes. So as we read these missionary stories, let it light our hearts on fire and hopefully our children as well. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commandments are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings. Blessings.